0: back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon. I'm your other host, Angel. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. No, because that'd be foolish. And while we are fools, we try not to act foolish in a bad way.
1: No, we're fools for love. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and just like the fool in the tarot, we're always jumping off one cliff or another. Exactly. And this is a very special episode, because this is the last episode we will be recording in the Spirit Room as we have known the Spirit Room over these last 10 years.
1: Yeah, and I guess two and a half-ish years since we've been serving you all as the Spiritual Gaze. Uh, yes, we are moving, which we are so excited about.
0: And we've wanted to talk about it, but we haven't been able to talk about it.
1: No, just because there's been a lot of uh, just things <laughs> going on. Yeah. But we're here now and we are recording this, yeah, less than a week before we move. And by the time this comes out, we'll be like, really just, yeah, we'll be about to move. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the next recording that we do for this show will be in the new and improved spirit room.
0: Yeah, and I can't wait to tell you all about the story of us finding this house and all of the spiritual synchronicities that have kind of led us to our new home and what also feels like the Spiritual Gaze hub, like the true Spiritual Gaze headquarters. Oh, for sure. We even had our first Bobcat visitor Oh my gosh. I got like ring security cameras installed in like the front door and like the back door. And you get like motion detectors on the phone. And so a couple days ago, because we're not living at the house yet, I got a motion detector. It was like 10 a.m. on like a Tuesday. And I was like, I don't think we're expecting any deliveries. And I pull it up and there is a bobcat just <laughs> prowling. like prowling by the front door, like sniffing around. It was pretty magical.
1: Yeah, well, magical until we get there with the little pup.
0: Well, Noche now just, like, lives a life of leisure as an indoor cat, (laughs) essentially. (laughs) That's true.
1: (laughs) He's going to stare out the window at it like, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, totally. (laughs) But uh, anyhow, who are we? Ah, yes, (laughs) I'm Brandon Alter. I am a spiritual healer and a tarot reader and an astrologer and a teacher and a writer and a performer and your husband.
1: You are the husband of Angel Lopez. A writer, a film producer, an astrologer, a queeler, and a queer-as-fuck mystic.
0: Yes, Queen. And how are you doing, you queer-as-fuck mystic? Check in with me.
1: Well, first, before I check in, I do want to say that we have a really fun spirit talk coming up Ooh, astrologer Danny Beinstein.
0: It's a fabulous conversation. Yeah,
1: we had a really great conversation um, hearing about, you know, sort of her path to becoming an astrologer, uh, but also just, we went in on all things, uh, got all things. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to like try got to her. describe that, but I'm <laughs> like, actually we kind of talked about everything,
0: but we got her hot take on the astrology of 2021. We got her hot take on being an astrologer on being a healer. Yeah. What is evil? I mean, we really go for
1: politics it. of now. Um, yeah, we kind of touched, uh, Every surface,
0: and it was great. So, so we want to get to that pretty quickly. Yeah,
1: but yes, a check-in. Honestly, I think if I've been grappling with anything, it has been just missing my community and really missing like a greater sense of community. Uh, it's hard to stay in connection with just my friends simply, and I, I miss being in a circle of my people. And I'm grateful that we've gotten back into hosting circles online again, because that's been lovely to have our breathwork circles again, our first Astro Club of the new year, Um, because that is really like my one outlet of like group communion that I have going right now. And I truly love that experience. And I think it's the Aquarius too, just like the bubbling over of planets moving into Aquarius. It has me really feeling this drive to want to connect. So I think if anything, I feel a little sad that I can't.
0: Invite fold. everybody over for a house yeah, party. That I yeah, that can just
1: like plug in and like hang out in a room full of my favorite people. Um, And that just is what it, is yeah (laughs) but we
0: had the idea to do an aquarius happy hour yeah so we're thinking that on wednesday february 10th that's when we're gonna have like seven six or seven planets in aquarius and so we thought it might be fun to do like a 60 or 90 minute zoom happy hour meaning that like angel and i will be there in the zoom room and you can just come maybe we'll play some games maybe we'll just like (laughs) chat about things talk tarot talk astrology just like have a have a virtual happy hour.
1: Yeah, just get to spend some time with y'all that and not have any sort of like lesson plan.
0: Exactly. And so, if you're not signed up for our newsletter, I would encourage you to sign up for it because that's where we'll have more information about that. And of course, we'll post it to the Instagram and things of that nature yeah, too. Yeah. Uh, how are you? Hi. Too. I'm doing better now that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you know, we did our year ahead spreads, and I pulled the devil for the middle of my year and I just keep going back to the devil as the arbiter of Capricorn and my Capricorn moon and discipline and just having this conversation with Danny and she was talking about, you know, Saturn and grit and like life isn't, you know, necessarily going to be easy. And I'm just feeling like my discipline has been quite flabby, like quarantine and COVID and just like survival, you know, being my full-time job has made my discipline a little, a little weak and so I'm just feeling like I need to I need to whip that back into shape to some degree and of course I've been telling myself the story that like well once we move I'll set up like a new system and a new routine and that's totally true but we haven't moved yet and that doesn't mean that like I should keep moving the line you know <laughs> and he's <it's> just <laughs> laughing because there's this song <laughs> called and they keep on moving the line from smash and it's really been my like theme song recently because yeah, with if you've the been house, listening
1: to the show you may recall uh time <laughs> heals everything moment that occurred uh,
0: yeah well a couple months ago i am i am the sort of gay person that needs like a musical theater song as a mantra every month to get me through what i'm going through
1: so we're in the season of smash
0: well we're in the season of they keep on moving the line because it just feels like with the house like as soon as we feel like we're getting there it just like no, keeps getting sure. pushed and i just was like oh so I'm just like living in that, and it's okay. They just they keep on moving the line.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's not the only arena of the li- of the world where they keep pushing the lines. So no, get it. Totally. moving the line. Excuse yeah,
0: me. exactly. But that's what I'm doing. I'm excited to be with you and with Noche and New Horizons and change and Aquarius season, where my hair is crazy, but my heart is full.
1: Yeah, and we celebrate your birth.
0: I know. It's coming up.
1: Oh, my gosh. The happy hour could almost be like a birthday party. That'd be fun. You want to come wish me happy birthday?
0: That'd be cute. Yes, performances. Oh, my God. I'd love
1: that. Um, But look, I can totally relate to the whole discipline thing, too. I've been definitely feeling that for myself. And also, I think a lot of people can probably relate to that, this feeling of like having fallen off some of your routines or habits. And I think everyone enters into the new year feeling like, I'm going to start this thing. I'm going to do this thing. and um, I think more than ever, it's been challenging to hold to those things. So yeah, we all have to allow ourselves the freedom to find our routines in our own time without beating ourselves up.
0: For sure. I've just been lazy and resistant and spirit's been telling me exactly what to do and I just haven't been doing it. So I just need to slap myself across the face a few times and do it.
1: Into the new house. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. There we go.
0: Um, should we do a brief little segment before we dive into our spirit talk? Sure. All right, everybody, let's head up into the heavens for this episode's cosmic, cosmic update. update. So I just want to say it is very Aquarius up there. Jupiter, Saturn, Mercury, Sun, soon Venus, and then for a couple days, Moon. It's a lot of Aquarius energy, everybody. And Aquarius is an air sign, and it can be very heady, which is great. Big ideas, visionary capacity, can also make you a mental case. (laughs) Yeah, because everyone's going, my ideas, my
1: ideas, my My ideas. ideas. I know what's better. I have an idea. I had this
0: idea. What if we did that? Oh, you know what? Actually, what if we did that, but then did this? Is everybody talking over each other? Is that Aquarius? Maybe. Who knows? It's a group mentality. For sure. But the invitation is to ground all of that air into your body somehow. And so that would just be my humble advice to you is when it starts to get real heady, just get back into your body put your hands on your heart, put your hands on your belly, go walk outside, go work in the earth, you know, like planting, gardening, just lay on the ground, put some stones on your body. Rocks work too. (laughs) Just see what happens. Yeah. 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 Like that is, I think going to be really useful.
1: I think so. And we'll be releasing this on the Leo full moon.
0: So we really should just like be talking about ourselves the whole episode.
1: Well, funny you should say that because this, full moon will actually be conjunct my Saturn. Oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but uh
1: yeah, you know the the Leo full moon, I mean it's it's actually the sun will be conjunct Jupiter, which I think is a lovely aspect to it, right? Because if all of this Aquarius energy is a lot about expansion into our authentic nature, right? Some greater expansion into our uniqueness um and what our unique gifts are that we have to offer this world. Um, I do think that this Leo full moon can be an opportunity to kind of level up some of that, right. Or just tap in creatively to,
0: to some of that uniqueness. Yeah. And I do think, again, it came up in this conversation with Danny because everything came up in this conversation with Danny, as you'll soon hear, but art, you know, Mm -hmm. like creativity is so important and it's part of the work of our soul and maybe, I don't know about you, but like I have felt very disconnected from my creative impulse in this past year of pandemic. And so to have, you know, Jupiter conjunct the sun opposite the moon and Leo, it could be shining a light on some of that creativity and that expression of your spirit that wants to come out. I mean, that is so Leo is like I express and I tell stories and I play pretend and I make believe in order to make sense of what I am living.
1: Yeah. Um, But it will be experiencing a square to Mars, practically direct. Um, Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, the full moon's at 9 degrees Leo Aquarius. Uh, Mars will be at 10 degrees Taurus. Cool, cool, cool. So it could be interesting to see where you have Taurus in your chart, um, because Mars moving through that area could be challenging you to really take action, you know, to take steps that are... Expressing to others what your greater authenticity is, you know, sort of showing up and being like, I know you might have thought that I was this person, but actually, like, this is who I've become. Yeah. This is who this is what I want you to know about me. Totally. Um, and just, yeah, having no apologies for I that love expression.
0: It. And think of Mars as like the planet of your own warriorship. So there's warriorship that's kind of needing to be expressed in between the Leo, which is like your creativity and your joy and Aquarius, which is like your uniqueness and your authenticity in Taurus, which is like where it has to be manifested. Right. So like we're all showing up as these new people and like we got to fight to be seen as, as who we are now.
1: Exactly. And know that that's a challenge because everyone is experiencing that. So of course you're going to find people who are completely um, opposing <laughs> in nature to your own unique expression and that's who they are. And I think that's even the greater lesson of Aquarius then, right? is like, okay, we all exist in this world, but we have to figure out a way to do it that honors all of us and that doesn't dishonor another. Totally. Which is a fucking tall order.
0: Yeah, but nature finds a way to do it. That's true. You know, the cactus don't get in the way of the oaks. Yeah. I mean, sometimes the shark eats the minnow, but... I was going to say... <laughs> So we're here to tell you to
1: be a shark.
0: Eat those minnows. Yeah, kill them. No, not at all. No, Find a way that, you know, does no harm.
1: Yeah, only eat when you're hungry.
0: (laughs) Speaking of hungry, if you are hungry for astrology in your life, you need to know that we are offering our 11-week astrology course, Chart and Soul. Yay! The Magic of Astrology. And it starts in March, and we're only going to be teaching it once this year. And so if you have been thinking about it, I want to encourage you to sign up, because if you sign up by February 11th, you can save some money too. And all the information's on the website. But if you'd like to hang out with us in real time and learn astrology, or if you just want to get access to the classes, um, you know, we had a lot of students last year that were in, you know, Australia or in Ireland and they weren't able to attend live because of the time difference, but they still got so much out of the course. So just planting that cosmic seed in your cosmic heart.
1: Yeah. I'm really, really excited to gather, um, this group together. We're already, Starting to generate a fantastic group of folks, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. talk about community and cosmic it's be, community. Yeah, Let's during
0: Pisces it. season and Airy season, like oh man, from the end to the beginning, mm-hmm. yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be wicked magic, cool. Yeah, that'll be fun. All right. Speaking of fun, let us open up our hearts and our minds and share with you this truly fantastic spirit talk. talk.
1: All right, everyone, we are so excited to be talking to Danny Beinstein, a fellow astrologer uh, who I had the pleasure of meeting a long while back at a little dinner party. And I remember feeling like, wow, uh, there's other astrologers in the world. <laughs> <laughs> it's such an, it can be an isolating thing. So welcome to uh, our virtual spirit room.
2: I am so grateful to be here and so happy to be here, especially at your last recording in this sacred space, if I'm allowed to say that.
0: Yeah, for yeah, sure. This is it. The cat's out of the bag. The bobcat's out of the bag.
1: All right, Danny. Well, again, yeah. excited to have a fellow astrologer here, but actually wanna just kind of take it back a bit. Like, like where'd you grow up?
2: I grew up in New York City. I grew up in the city.
1: Wow. It's
2: pretty rare these days, or maybe ever. Um I am a city kid through and through. We moved to Connecticut um, while I was in seventh, for seventh grade. And then we moved back into the city, must've been for 11th grade. So I was actually out of the city for pretty crucial years um, out in Connecticut, but by everything else. And then I went to college in New York city too.
1: Yeah. Cause you, you stayed there throughout.
2: No, I actually went to um, GW freshman year because I was convinced I was going into politics. I was obsessed with Maureen Dowd and I thought I was going to be Maureen Dowd. And so I went to DC, but GW really wasn't the school for me. And so I went, I went to NYU, but I went to a particular program in NYU that I was obsessed with called Gallatin, where you could create your own major. Oh, wow. A nerd like me, it was perfect.
0: And what did you create?
2: I looked at the history of literature through the lens of philosophy. So Mm. basically humanities, but I, it was like, I looked at different um, pieces of literature as kind of a window into the zeitgeist.
0: That sounds amazing. And did you specialize in any particular period of time or?
2: Well, I really was interested in the, in the shift from the enlightenment to the romantic era, particularly interested. um, I did a lot of my thesis on Les Mis. Victor Hugo's, not the musical,
1: although I do love the musical. I was like, that's fascinating.
2: (laughs) Um, But I was really, just really interested in the philosophy, like how a society shifts from enlightenment to romanticism um, and what causes that. And I actually think we are in some kind of reiteration of that now, right? There's kind of like, hyper-focus on the sciences to the backlash against the sciences. And it's the same, there are same kind of kernels that are still present now. But I do think we're in that kind of energy now. And interestingly, if we want to talk astrology, like we're moving to this Aquarius energy. And then when Pluto moves into Aquarius, we have, you know, last time Pluto was in Aquarius was the French Revolution. And this is like what I feel like is kind of underneath everything. This kind of um, revolutionary cycle that we're in between the haves and the have-nots and this kind of oligarchical global setup that we have versus the kind of populism that's rising from beneath, from both the left and the right. And to me, that's kind of the lens. And also because of that's what I looked at um, throughout history, I kind of see that repeating itself. I don't know. That's how I feel. I don't know if you guys can kind of feel that or see that as
0: well. I mean, that resonates for me for sure. I haven't I mean, I'm like so ready for Pluto to get out of Capricorn, but I haven't yeah, spent totally. too much time thinking about Pluto in Aquarius yet. <laughs> I'm still totally. like dealing with the fallout. Um, but that does make a lot of sense. Like revolution does feel like something Pluto would want to instigate when he's in Aquarius for sure.
2: Um, also because we're approaching the Pluto return of the Declaration of Independence, Right. right? So it's the same kind of thread of energy. And of course, all revolutions, most revolutions, I shouldn't say all, because historians will be like, that's not true at all. But a lot (laughs) of revolutions um, are economic in their roots, right? Either religious or economic in their roots.
1: So when did this shift into astrology and studying it uh, happen for you?
2: So my freshman year of college, I was at a bookstore Somewhere in DC, and um, you know, I I was just kind of perusing, and I stumbled upon, which I'm sure in DC must have been tiny, like the you know, (laughs) the spiritual arts or whatever. It was probably some like you know, (laughs) tiny corner um, in the back, and I just came across this book on astrology, and I looked up, you know, that big blue book in astrology. Oh yeah, we big blue, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Every astrologer kind of has it. And I looked at my birthday and I was like, first of all, I was born the same day as Greta Garbo, which I loved, you know. And then I was like, wait a second, wait a second, what is this? And how does this thing understand me and my complexities? What the F, what is this? So that kind of started it. And then the summer between freshman year and sophomore year, I lived in San Francisco. And so that I first time I Took yoga, and that kind of sped up that process for me of learning about spirituality and kind of having a spiritual perspective. I grew up in a basically culturally Jewish home, typical cultural Jewish New York home, but not very religious, you know, what mm-hmm. we call high holiday Jews. Yep, um, I'm
0: right there with you.
2: Right. So, but not a lot of focus on certainly spirituality, very scientifically minded. And so I came across you know, all of these new belief systems. And my mind was just kind of like exploding. And with that was astrology. And so I, I kind of hid that interest and tried to kind of bake it somehow into some of my studies, but that's really where it started. And then it was like, wait a second, I get this. Like I've been taking French since fourth grade. I can basically say, je t'aime. Like right. I took it from when I was 10 to freshman year in college. Like I, I, You know, I basically know a lick of French, but somehow when I was reading astrology and geometry was the only math I was good at, like only math. And so it just kind of, it was a language that made sense to me to the point where I'm like, I must have done something like this in a past life because it just, it fit. And then I just started seeing everything through that lens. And then I kind of kept it in my back pocket and is interested in media and politics and, and then the entertainment industry. But every time I would look around and I would see like whoever the boss was, I was like Capricorn moon. I was like, I don't really want to climb there. That doesn't seem that interesting to me.
0: Mm -hmm. I don't really want
2: that. I don't really want that. But I always kind of played this role of whoever the CEO was kind of like counseling them. And then, and then I would end up kind of counseling other people. And so I just kind of, I don't want to say I fell into it because that sounds so ridiculous, but that is kind of what it felt like. Like I was resistant to it. And then people kept asking me to read their charts and it just kind of unfolded from there.
1: Yeah, no, I relate to to the fall into it element, yeah.
2: Yeah, because I think it's like, I don't know, maybe now, but like, I mean, if I had said to my parents when I was like 13, I think I want to be an astrologer. This was before I discovered astrology. I think I want to be an astrologer. I mean, are you kidding? <laughs> I just can't even imagine once I decided to do it they didn't even understand what I was doing. you know so I just didn't grow up around people like me.
0: Oh I get it. All. My grandparents you still think it. I'm like doing like fitness counseling. <laughs>
3: <laughs> They're
2: like amazing that, that you have living grandparents.
0: It is it is amazing that I have living grandparents. They are not astrologically inclined. I've tried, and then <laughs> and then I just was kind of like, you know what, it's fine. They're yeah, like, how's teach the Pilates, Pilates going? I'm like, it's going great, Grandma. <laughs> it's going great, thanks.
2: I like to like think of it though as like, you know, I'm like the old Jewish woman in the village. You know, I think yeah. like Judith in the Bible played that is that character.
0: Um, I love it Or that archetype. Well, and there were a lot of ancient Hebrew astrologers.
2: Yes, exactly. So at least it's not cultural appropriation.
0: No, not at all. <laughs> no, <look. laughs> One thing I think is really interesting, even though DC is so politically oriented, they did lay the city out in the shape of the Virgo constellation. So did they? The, Yeah. So the founding fathers knew astrology. So I'm not surprised in some sneaky way that that's where you were and you discovered it. I mean, they knew enough- Wait.
2: And I'm a Virgo.
0: Well, here we go. go.
2: Wait, what? Yeah. Pierre L'Enfant, like set it up like that in DC?
0: Yes. The whole city is laid out. I'd have to do some more research, but yes, from my understanding, they laid the whole city out because it's Virgo's about service, right? So when they were creating the, you know, capital, it was under that, you know, idea of being of service.
2: Oh my God. My jaw is like on the floor. That is... That is amazing
0: yeah well now I like want to research more of it. I know that's true <laughs> and now I'm like let's go find some rabbit holes yeah. and get
1: all the dirt on it and why isn't every city built that way? I know right
0: <laughs> yeah
2: I think that um, it's interesting though to watch it in our lifetime you know it used to just be the back of the newspaper or the back of a magazine and it has you know it's everywhere now
1: no I know it's exploded that's why I'm always curious about how that was that transition like mentally for you cuz yeah you were going down a business path even though you yeah. saw the people at the top of the food chain and went like nah i don't think this, i want to yeah. eat this but yeah. <laughs> you know still there is like a i think some sort of acceptance that you have to come to right of like okay i'm going to go down this path and see what's see what happens like what was that like for you was that challenging
2: beyond and by the way 2 weeks ago i turned to my partner i was like maybe I should have gone to law school,
0: not because I don't
2: love what I do. I love what I do, but there is a part of my brain that, that the philosophical part, which I use in my work, but I am, I just am fascinated by the law. And I, yes, it was a struggle. And I think that, you know, so it's somewhat false to say, like, I just fell into it, but it's more like it just, I just kept getting green lights. And so where I was hitting walls other places, I was like, I have to surrender to this because this just, it feels right. But it, it, it was a battle. And it, it still is, even though I love what I do, I think that there is a part of me that will always kind of wrestle with that a little bit because conditioning is pretty intense and I've worked through a lot of it. But not only that, I think that I am, I'm a person who's interested in many things so this is the path that I found that could incorporate all those other things where like I couldn't bring astrology to my clients. I guess I could if I were a lawyer, but that I would be some real fringe. I'd yeah. rather <laughs> be fringe. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, it, was, it was definitely a struggle. And I think um, I did get a master's in spiritual psychology, which I think helped me say, okay, well, I, now I have facilitation training. So there's something in that that makes me feel like, okay, this is more than just a hobby. I can, this is something solid. Um, but I don't, I don't even know. I, I don't know if there's an easy answer. I think that there's very few people in on this planet who like, I'm going to be a surgeon, and that's what I'm going to be, and I know it, and I'm not going to question it. I think if you're a thinking, questioning person, and you're a curious person, you may go oh, like, well, I could do that, or I could have done that. It's like the Anita Franco song, Joyful Girl. Do you know that song? I do,
1: yeah.
2: Beautiful song, right? Where mm-hmm. it, it's like, she questions, should I be doing something else? Should I be doing something else? But I do this because it brings me joy. Right. You know? And I hope to bring other people's, people joy and a sense of peace. But the truth is that, you know, I, I say that I always wanted to go into politics, which I did, but that was concurrent with my love of theater and film. Um, My parents started taking me to theater when I was six, seven years old. And we would um, would take a cab back to the apartment. Like I would, my parents didn't, they didn't really shield me from subject matter. So we would analyze and psychoanalyze the characters. And I, I just have parents who are in their own ways, both psychologically astute. My dad's more kind of guttural and instinctual. And my mother, I get my love of reading from my mother, who um, is an avid, avid reader and a, and quite philosophical in nature. So I was raised in a home. I was raised by a Gemini and a Sagittarius. Oh, wow. So conversation, yes. So <laughs> conversation was always incredibly lively and we were always discussing things. So I think that... Um, I was kind of raised in a home to be psychologically astute. Neither of them were psychologists, but it was just always part of the conversation. So I think it factors pretty heavily because it's just baked into my own makeup. And then, and I have my moon loosely square Pluto and I have Mercury conjunct Pluto. So, you know, I think that's that's part and parcel. And then I have a, my Mars is in Scorpio. So I'm pretty, I've, pretty significant Scorpio or Plutonic energy. Yeah, it's Um, like
1: psychological astrologer or detective. Exactly.
2: (laughs) And and if you ask me what my favorite kind of films are or movies to watch, they're always like a CIA type movie or show. Like The Americans is my favorite show of all time. Um, So I love that kind of, I I just see things through that lens. So I was going to bring that no matter what. The degree that I got, it was more about me healing my own material. And for a while I got lost in that own, in my own healing, to be frank. And I had to kind of graduate out of that. um, I think in order to be graduate out of the idea of like this idea that I was striving for some kind of perfection, you know, which I went, I'm a Virgo. I went in like going, I'm going to heal this, you know, it was naive, I was young. Um, But really kind of recognizing that, like you, you know, I have people who come to me who want to be a healer. And I always, I always think it's important to make the distinction that I think one has the capacity to be healer, even if they're in marketing, or even if they are in a more traditional line of work that we all have the capacity to hold space for other people. And I think that it's more the energy that we bring to whatever our environment or our workplace or our work is that makes it sacred and spiritual. Does that make sense? Perfectly. Um, So I don't siphon myself off. I don't think I am like a special healer. I just think these are the tools that come most naturally to me. And so it's my living. But I, you know, having worked in many offices, I've seen beautiful acts of service and all kinds of workplaces that I think would, you know, that humble me completely. So I just, I like to get out of this idea that they're like healers and non-healers. You know what I mean?
0: A hundred percent, which is that like everyone has the capacity and it's really, as far as I'm concerned, based on your own courage and bravery to like seek your own inner healing. So I love what you talk about. Exactly. Also you're a Virgo. So like, as far as I'm concerned, like you are the healer of the Zodiac, at least that's where your son sits. And so there's the sense that like you went for your own healing first even yes. though you were getting this masters in how to do it for others but based on what you discovered on that journey then you kind of pour it forth that's how i think of healers right like what i've been able to heal in myself is what i or the is basically my diploma for how i can help you just through sharing my own experience
2: 100% and i think there's you know what i was saying about graduating out of it meaning like not to get stuck in navel gazing which i spent my entire 20s doing right so I, I 100% agree with that. And I think that, you know, um, the most important thing that I learned in that program was this concept of the neutral observer. And I have a very strong personality, very strong personality. And when I'm sitting with my clients, I tap into something else. And it's separate from my own personality. And it's able to hold an unconditionally loving space. That's how I start. That's my intention, which I say it aloud with every client. Because I think it's really, I just think it's an important thing to be able to do um, in my line of work to, that's why I say like, I love all the signs. People are like, what sign do you love the most? I genuinely love all the signs because it's like asking me, what's your favorite character in a play? But they're all necessary. They're all necessary to the story, right? So that I feel like because I was able to work on myself enough to know what my triggers are, And to know where my wounding is, I know that if a client is bringing something forward that is particular to my own wounding, which happens all the time, right? Because we tend to call on people who bring forward material that we're working on ourselves, that I can hold a neutral state and really move into a higher level consciousness than Danny Weinstein, you know, going to get her morning coffee and chatting up the barista.
1: Yeah. I feel like I'm always working on removing myself from the equation before I sit down with any sort of client. Yeah, so that I'm not, yeah, like you said, sort of bringing myself to it. I'm bringing um, just like a, for me, like a clear vessel of healing.
2: Exactly, exactly. And I feel like that's what I need to work on because Mm -hmm. I'm a person with fairly strong opinions. (laughs) And I come from a world where, you know, the currency was having a strong point of view and strong opinions. So that's not useful to clients, you know. Um,
0: yeah, it can be really damaging, actually. Right, right,
2: and so I don't bring that, and I don't, and I genuinely go into a different state. I wish I could explain it, but I literally go into another level of consciousness, so much so that my boyfriend, my partner, will, you know, sometimes just kind of overhear the tone of me with clients, and he's like, "Hello." Can I get some of that? (laughs) I don't understand. Why can you do that? Why are you in this completely elevated state when you're giving advice to clients? And with me, it's like, can you pick your fucking socks off the floor? You know what I mean? Like, so I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) 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 You know, no, bless him. But I really, I really do go into a different state when I'm with clients. And I, think, yeah, it's not. My opinion doesn't serve my clients. It just doesn't. Like, because what I'm seeing is the soul journey. So my opinion is irrelevant.
0: Well, it's interesting too, because I'm just thinking, like me, Brandon, the person, like I have opinions about certain signs and certain placements, and I can be shady and talk about like, oh God, like don't put me in a room with that or whatever. But whenever (laughs) I sit across somebody with a chart, I love every chart that's in front of me, right? Right. And I think that's the difference between like, you know, little Danny, little Brandon, little yeah. angel, and then the larger circle you step into when you start to do the sort of work with people.
2: Yes. And so when people say to me, I want to be an astrologer, what's your first sign of advice? I say some kind of self-healing and facilitation work, yeah. you know, just so that you have a foundation because my biggest issue with astrologers out there is that they is when they deliver information without understanding how impactful that information is and that people take it to heart. And it it can really affect the choices that that an individual makes. And that is a huge responsibility. Of course, every client has their responsibility because they, to listen to their own intuition. But, you know, I, I like I say that I have all these clients who I see as like astrological survivors or victims because they come to me and they go, I was told this. I'm like, who told you that? I was told, you know, my boyfriend has Venus and Gemini. They're going to cheat on me.
0: Yeah. (laughs) How
2: about they like someone interesting? How about that? Totally. You know, like, so to me, that's the most important part of the work. The Mm -hmm. rest is information. Right. And intuition, but being able to hold the material in a way that's neutral and then to have the capacity to impart the information in a way that is kind, empathic, and contextual as well. Because that's another thing. So much astrology out there is decontextualized.
3: For sure.
1: I know. That's why I'm like so prickly about like astrology Twitter, because you know
2: Totally. And <laughs> the memes, it's
1: just, yeah. I mean, are funny,
2: but yeah. it's like, I, yeah, that kind of stuff, you know, that's the more serious, annoying part of me that drives me crazy. That I, you know, because I'm like, no, but that's, you know, it's like, that's not, you know, how is that serving
1: people? Yeah, it feels like it's just meant to instigate.
2: Um, yes, angst and division. Yeah, well, and yeah.
0: over-essentializes, right? Like it-, it Totally. Condenses- signs into these like digestible memes that have a kernel of truth, but that don't, you know, consider that you are so much more than just your sun sign or your rising or what have you.
2: Right. In a way, not to be inflammatory, but it's like astrology is an extension of identity politics.
0: Mm. Say more about that. It's
2: like, it's like the idea of there's an aspect of identity politics, which can corner people and put them in a box, and disallow them their uniqueness and their humanity, right? Yeah. Because you can have someone who has seemingly from the outside um, a complex set of views on a complex set of issues, right? So like I said, I'm a Jewish New Yorker. That doesn't automatically mean that I vote in accordance what what other people would see as pro-Israel, right? So- or I'm a woman, therefore I would vote like this. And I don't like being reduced to that. Just like I don't like to be reduced to, oh, she's a Virgo, she must be super neat. Also <laughs> ask my partner, who's much better at the dishes than I am. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I don't, so I think that there is a way in which this reductive um, labeling of human beings, to me, it's it's inartful. Because to me, art is the, is the full expression of humanity, which is why I love novels so much because it's a window into a character's soul. And what human being doesn't have, you know, competing thoughts, feelings, emotions. And I just think to reduce anyone to just they're this or they're that, um, I think it does us a disservice. I think it's an easier way to create division.
0: Yeah, I love hearing you talk about this. It's making me think about how we get to evolve astrology based on our ability to live into it. And the more we continue to kind of perpetuate the same ideas about how signs are expressed or even how planets express, the less we are able to see the art evolve. Yeah,
2: I I think so. And I think it's dynamic. That's the other thing about astrology. And that's the other thing about a chart, just like a human being, it's dynamic. So... It's like, as I'm sure you've had the experience, or maybe you haven't, but I've had the experience of, oh, this is that part of my chart coming out. Oof.
0: Totally. Yeah. That's
2: been dormant. That's a muscle I haven't used.
0: <laughs> For sure. <laughs>
2: That's a reflex I wasn't familiar with, you know? So I think that it, I always like to think of things as blossoming and flowering. And I think when you're, when one reduces astrology to, oh, she's a Libra. That's what that means. It's like you've already, the plant's already dead.
0: Totally. I'm curious how, because I think we all kind of come in astrology from a similar holistic healing perspective. I'm curious just to draw you out a little bit about the idea of like malefics and benefics. Because sometimes I feel like built into Traditional astrology is already this idea of like good placements and bad placements, which I think is a lot of what's dangerous for some readers and you. like have to heal this idea that like, oh, my chart is a curse," and her chart's a blessing because of Mars or, you know Saturn. And I'm just curious how you have healed your relationship with those words or those ideas around those planets.:
2: So I have my moon in Capricorn. I have my sun sandwiched between Saturn and Jupiter right? So by the two, like major uh, malefic and um, benefic. Um, So I'm a person who believes, and again, beliefs dictate a lot, but I believe that life is in many ways inherently challenging and we need grit and we need resiliency, and we need to experience joy. But there's also going to be sorrow, and the only way out is through. Like I'm a, I'm a believer of pretty ancient wisdoms in that way, right? I tend to um, shy away from what I perceive as toxic positivity.
0: Totally, right? the like so, love and light and spiritual bypassing, yeah, and all that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So to me, it's like as someone who's pretty heavily Saturnine and then pretty decently heavily Plutonian. I I embrace that because I think it gives me a certain kind of fortitude. And so when I see a Saturn transit coming, I go, oh, this is a chance for me to build myself up, not build myself up in a grotesque way, kind of just build up my backbone. Mm. Um, and I think that we live in a world where a Jupiter transit means you're winning the lottery and a Saturn transit means you're losing everything as a metaphor, right? Right. And I think that's just a dangerous way to walk through life, period. So I tend to be more measured, probably the Virgo in me, but I tend to not inflate a Jupiter transit, which by the way, inflation cannot be a good thing also. Right, yeah. And, you know, Saturn's consolidation can serve So that's kind of how I work with it. Like I don't, I, and I always say that, right? All energy is neutral until directed. So to me, it's more having consciousness around it, but there's always going to be peaks and valleys in life. And there's always going to be loss. You know, it's, do you have, are you willing to go all in? Are you, and I think that I'm transfixed and obsessed with what's happening in Russia right now with the detainment of Navalny who was poisoned last year and the protests, which as we're recording this, protests are are ballooning in Russia. And I just, uh, to live with that kind of courage and resolve is so above and beyond me. Um, I'm in complete awe of it. But we realize how in our culture, we take so much for granted and we think that everything should be easy because of the speed of technology. But all the all the rights that we have were hard fought and hard won. And all the rights that still need to be had are going to be hard fought and hard won. And I think it's important to recognize that. And I think it's important to recognize that human nature will always be human nature. And the more consciousness we have around it, you know, the better off we all are. But evil will exist, you know, and then everything between evil and sainthood will exist. Right. So I think that to me, it's like, I, I don't, when I see that someone has an inherently challenging chart, I often say, well, there's your grit. There's your resilience. People who have quote unquote, easy charts often don't want to push against the grain. They don't, want to take the hard standard. They don't want to have to overcome. And that's really how we gain self-esteem. So does that make sense?
0: It's beautifully said. I mean, I'm I'm Sun square Saturn, Moon square Mars, you know? So yes. I also inherently have a chart. Now I'm going to say that's full of grit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But
0: when I talk to clients, I kind of, I will couch that sometimes and go like, I'm still here. I'm doing fine. We have to yeah. rescue this idea that we're cursed by these placements. But I, I I think, oh, I think it's powerful just to hear you talk about this idea and especially what our culture's done to kind of soften us, you know, and to expect that we have a right for things to always be easy and to always go our way. And that that actually makes things harder because it, I think so. Because then we're ill prepared.
2: Yeah. I mean, my spiritual teacher who's 80 something said, a beautiful childhood is, a, is terrible preparation for life. <laughs>
0: <That's> <laughs> Which funny. I
2: think is kind of amazing.
0: I love that. It makes me think of Tennessee Williams who said, like a dysfunctional family is a writer's greatest gift, I yeah. think.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think, I just think we've lost touch with the essential. And I think what's happening now is we're being put back in touch with the essential. And I think that's necessary because things ballooned kind of out of control. In my um, opinion, that's an opinion. That's a Danny Beinstein opinion, a,
3: <laughs>
2: not, you know, but I think that, I think that, I think you need grit. If you want anything in this world, whether it's relationship or it's, you know, um, success, however you define success, like you've got to weather the storms, you know? No love is born from just like blissful, you know, hashtag relationship goals.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm having a great visual of just like Saturn is the axe and like it needs to be sharpened. Yeah. Like it needs to... So speaking of Saturn, I want to get your take. I know we both have been talking about this a lot recently. Saturn and Aquarius, Uranus mm-hmm. and Taurus, the big dance mm-hmm. they're doing this year. How are mm-hmm. you starting to... Just kind of feel this come through. What is it making you think of and see?
2: Well, I think it's really transpersonal. To me, the focus has been transpersonal. So, for example, the insurrection on Jan 6th, the protests in Russia. I think that what we're seeing is um, a real confrontation with what has come to be a kind of... um, a giant chasm um, and wealth disparity, right? And I think that it, it, it's not even a political statement. It just is. That is just a fact that fact that has transpired over the past 30, 40 years. And so what I see is a kind of revolutionary fervor pushback towards that. And it can go, it can take many forms, right? So one could argue that the election and the, you know, the most diverse coalition. Um, ever assembled in the cabinet is a kind of revolutionary spirit. One could say that there's a shadow element in the insurrection, but that there's also, where did that come from? That comes from people feeling disaffected and feeling that they have no purpose in life. So what's the first thing to happen? Racism, right? And the kind of pushing down of another because they feel inferior, right? So I think that all of that comes when the advancement of technology doesn't prepare for the loss of jobs, that will ensue. Um, Mm. And you have the great big divide, which we have globally, right? And then Russia is just the most extreme version of that, right? So I think that what I'm seeing is a kind of revolutionary fervor. It's just that the world looks different now than it did two hundred and fifty years ago, because the technology is so different, um, so it's more transpersonal, but what I'm seeing on the personal level is that people are like they've had enough of whatever shit they're in. They've just had enough. We define that any way you want, right? That can just be um, that can be deeply personal, it can be you know more global. but that's kind of what I'm seeing. It's like from the from the kind of breakdown or rubble of the Saturn-Pluto conjunction. Um, it's almost, it, it's wild how that led into this. Yeah, Like it was a perfect gateway for this chasm to grow even bigger so that there was this kind of uprising. Um, and I say that actually kind of like neutrally, like the way I would look at history, like of course this is gonna happen. Are people really surprised that you have most you know, Americans are $400 away from Rune or a medical bill away around away from Rune. Like there's just, how could that not lead to something? So yeah. that's kind of how I'm seeing it. And then, like I said, on the really personal level, I think people are um, breaking free. Whatever, define that however you want. I don't know. How does that
1: land with you guys? Oh,
0: definitely. I'm lands. just like rolling around in it. <laughs> it's so beautiful <laughs> just to hear you talk about these things. <laughs> yeah.
1: Because yeah, it does feel. I mean, I love just the breaking free and like the liberation, right? That like everyone, yeah, is, like struggling to find in some way, and um, not just in your personal, but then of course, yeah, like just the role you play in like the greater collective and noticing now yeah. finally like the the necessary liberation um, that must occur. And the, I think, push to rise to your responsibility that came out of the last few years, you know, rising toward personal responsibility for your own growth, for your own transformation, and now sort of taking that to the streets.
2: 100%. And I think that we've gotten in this idea that like healing or transformation yields material, results. Mm -hmm. And by material, I mean, you know, a Ferrari.
3: Right. I mean, not a Ferrari.
2: Yes. And I think there's something deeply American, right, about like the rising out of circumstances that are unfavorable to circumstances that are more favorable. But we've gone beyond that. Right. We've gone. And so I think that the focus on that, as opposed to on principles on character, on dignity, um, I think that's going to start to come into vogue.
0: That sounds beautiful. Because to me, and I've experienced this in myself as well, the desire for more material things usually stems out of a wounding. So, oh, of So when we're more healed to some extent, we actually need less. We can be more right-sized in relationship so. to the yes. world around us yeah so
2: and that's not to say i love beautiful craftsmanship i love beautiful objects i i love design so i am not i i, I am not advocating that we all you know move into tiny homes and live in huts it's not what i'm talking about i and and i think there is real value in being responsible steward of your finances and, you know, building a nest egg Capricorn moon. I'm not anti any of that. I just think what is the core motivation for it? Is it to be surrounded by beauty or is it, I have to have this because without this, I am lesser than. Right. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, And creating a culture, a society where people can have more opportunity to choose. Yes. To feel exactly. like, yeah, to feel like they have that ability to either, you know, want the island or realize like, oh, actually, I'm not that type of person. I want to, I want to go live in a hut on a beach.
2: But choice. And the problem is that less and fewer and fewer people have choice. Right. And that's the issue. So I think that's part of this Saturn, you're on a square and the Aquarian energy is the fundamental freedom of choice.
1: Yeah. It also kind of rings with the sort of nodal access of Gemini and sash, yes. which <laughs> totally really kind of yeah, having freedom to to tap into your own belief and then choose from that place.
2: Yes, but are we in a post-truth world? What does truth mean right now? I mean, that's an, an unanswerable question. Well, yeah, I well. believe there is truth, but there is there's objective truth which none of us has access to because we're mortal, right? But then there are, there are facts, right? And we are living in a world that is, you know, where the National Enquirer essentially has been the arbiter of truth, which
3: is
1: right. like,
2: what?
0: Yeah.
1: Well, and that's what we're struggling against right now, right, is that everyone does have their own truth and they are doubling down.
2: Right, like you can have your own truth about like, what matters to you, but you can't have your own proof around like whether the earth is flat.
0: Right. Totally. Yeah. yeah. The
1: facts don't support it, honey. Well <laughs> It's like what you said, like you have your
0: Danny opinions yeah. and then yes. there's like the objective knowledge based on what yes. you've learned or observations made by people that are smarter than us and that have backgrounds yes. in science or history or what have you. Right just the idea of the niche bubble feels like the shadow side of Aquarius, right? Like where the individuality yes. becomes dangerous. And yeah, actually thing. Exactly, yeah.
2: And tribalism. Because I actually do believe humans are inherently tribal. But it's like, can each tribe respect the next tribe?
0: And coexist. Oh, I hope we can.
2: <laughs> I do. I think that the, you know, and I think media representation is huge. I'm like, even just being... Jewish like I remember being a little girl and finding out like oh that actress was Jewish like oh they celebrate hanukkah like that and I grew up in New York City which is like you know Jewish central but I think <laughs> that that is I think that representation really matters and I think seeing that will have an effect I don't know how it can't yeah. have an effect
1: No I agree and I I honestly feel that way about like living a spiritual life because I feel like there isn't enough representation around what it really means to live from that place you know and that is where I think you get the love and light caricature
2: 100% do you guys ever see six feet under that's probably my other favorite drama of all time right so that that show was just beyond brilliant and so impactful to me um as I'm sure it was to you yeah you know I think that that that's that right? Like Nate's journey and Nate's exploration and all of their exploration around the most fundamental question, which is why are we here? What is the point of it? Um, And I just see so many people trying to tether purpose to career. Mm. And I, I just think it's the yearning for purpose, but no one singular thing I think is going to give you purpose. I think it has to, it's that grit, it's that resiliency, and then it's faith. And then it's, you know, believing that you're here and that you matter, not because X number of Instagram followers or because you have a career that's known or an unknown. I mean, I always feel like the real, real angels of our universe are like people that most people don't notice and walk right by. Right. Mm-hmm. But I remember when I got into my crazy accident, so I got into a crazy accident, near death experience um, four years ago now. Um, And I was taken to the hospital, I was delirious and it was was somewhere, it was uh, near Carmel in Monterey. Um, I didn't know anyone nearby. My sister couldn't get a flight until, from up from LA until the next morning. And so I was alone in this kind of hospital and there was a nurse who looked after me. And I, I can assure you that that woman was an angel like she was a walking angel. Like she just emanated in a way. And I remember when my sister came to pick me up, she talked to her and she was like, Oh yeah, me and my husband lived back, moved back East. But I just felt that this was my calling. So I fly here to be a nurse at this small house. I mean, she was a walking literal angel. And I just, anytime I feel my ego going, I like right back to that. like nope, you're not even close to that woman. You're good at reading charts, but you're not <laughs> even close <you> know? <laughs> like that's it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's imp- I think that's important, you know. And you know, it's not about finding the truth, you know
3: mm-hmm.
2: It's just it's just continuing to open and to find equilibrium. But I do think that having principles and values and knowing what they are, I feel like for me personally, I'm currently in New Zealand and I studied abroad in college and I've traveled a lot, but, and the last time I stu- when I studied abroad in college was I was abroad when 9-11 happened and it was 19 years ago. It was during, it was during these eclipses and I'm having a very similar experience, which is like, oh. I am American. Like I knew I was American, but I am American and I have American core values. What I believe are American core values, which are um, the striving for better, you know? And that freedom is a fundamental right. And um, that the pursuit of happiness, you know, I have those, you can define them however, but those are innate to me. And that I have a strongly American and even more so New York character and I think that's not what I was expecting when I got here. And it's it's interesting to come up against that in yourself, you know? Yeah.
0: No, it's fascinating. Especially just based on just the last four years of what America has stood yeah. for in on the global stage. Um, yeah. It's beautiful actually to hear you talk about it because I have been like so trying to distance myself from being an American, but yeah. to remember that what it means to be an American is so much vaster and deeper than what's been expressed. And to find like the true kernel, like I love hearing you talk about like, yeah, the pursuit of happiness and freedom. And like, there's a lot to be proud of once we can, I think, reclaim what what the high vibe America might look like.
2: Yeah, and the striving, listen, America's foundation is deep it, it's horrific. There's no yeah. other word for it. It's horrific. But I believe at the core that we strive to do better. Mm-hmm. I do believe that. And I think, of course, there are bad apples. And of course, there is evil. But I do fundamentally believe that the American core is to do better. And I think, it, inch by inch. And I think that that's a part of me That striving is part and parcel of who i am you know and my you know my ancestors came to america to flee persecution i know that's a very different story you know than those who were brought over here enslaved but that is my story and um that means something to me at the deepest level you know and i feel like it's my job to participate in um, affording other people that freedom. And I feel like I do that. That is really the intention of what I do on an everyday level with clients is to try to liberate them because I feel like that is that is what I owe all those that were lost mm. and couldn't come here. And that is that is that that is my core principle and what drives me at my root. Um, and to me, that is deeply American.
1: Yeah. Well, and you've done a beautiful job of that by honoring them by liberating yourself first and doing that work and putting that self liberation at the core of who you are.
2: That's my intention. You know, it really, it really is. Um, So thank you.
0: All right. I'm aware that we're getting to time, but I just, <laughs> I have a huge question for you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like it's oh, way, wait. it's way too big. And, okay. oh, but you've mentioned it twice. And I'm just curious because it, it doesn't come up a lot in conversation and I just, how would you even begin to explore like, what is evil? Where is it coming from? What is that force in the universe? How would you, oh, I it's know, a small question. <laughs> I know, but I'm just, you know, cause I, I don't think we get the opportunity to talk about it. And I do think there is a lot of like love and light and it's all love, hmm. but there is darkness. And so I'm just curious, where is in your cosmological worldview? Well, yeah. What starts to come up around that?
2: Every creation story has the kind of temptation of the devil, right? In some form or another. Um, I think like all things, it's gray. So some people, I think it is a psychological disorder. Others, I think it's conditioned. It's conditioned hate or evil. Evil has always existed. From like Caligula to before Caligula to true... Evil that exists because there's a difference between. I mean, that's why Les Miz to me is such an incredible story because it was not evil for him to steal the piece of bread and Javert chasing him. His pursuit was more evil than the stealing of the bread, but it was based on this principle that this you do not steal a bread. So, you know, he spends his whole adult life pursuing this man, and it's like, I don't know. I don't know, but it's a, it's a question that I wrestle with and it's a question, like, I, when I think about the, because I grew up, my father was obsessed with the Holocaust, he lost most of his family in it and some person out there just sh- shot my relatives in cold blood for no other reason than they were Jewish. Well, I, how do you, you can't tell me that everyone who participated in that was inherently evil. Like, how did that happen, you know? So I don't know.
0: I just really love being able to like hold space around asking, like a really uncomfortable question that I think we do need to be asking more and more of ourselves. Um, do
2: I think it's I think it's necessary? I think we need to ask the questions. It's like you know, after apartheid, South Africa held truth and reconciliation committee. Like we haven't done anything like that here. We are not having these conversations the way that yeah. they in South Africa
0: no I think we're just like scratching the surface honestly yeah and I think it goes back to you saying like people are like fed up with whatever it is and I think there's a lot of people that are just kind of a lot of Americans that are just like fed up with being marginalized being oppressed being ignored being erased and so
1: well yeah and I think faith and God are tied up into it because how does faith exist how does God exist in a world where this evil exists. And I think we are in such a God-centric society too that people don't really want to grapple with that part of it. It's like, God is real and God wants this to happen. But at the same time, when the evil comes and knocks on their door, everyone in private says to themselves, how is there a God? But no one wants to have that conversation.
2: Yes, agreed.
1: That we're all struggling with faith.
2: Yeah. Doubt and faith are intertwined.
1: Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. The more I think you can accept that into even into your spiritual practice even.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: The, the more you know connected with your oneness you can be.
2: Yeah. I think it's the only way.
0: The spine of a spiritual practice needs to be able to stand up against really healthy skepticism and doubt yeah. or else or else what good is it yeah
2: yeah that play oh, doubt i think it's a nah. john patrick stanley play
0: yeah that's so good and at the end oh. at the end she's just spent the whole <laughs> play just like railroading this guy and at the end you know it's like, i have so many doubts girl we all do who child i know
2: that's why art to me the art that's going to come out of the last year is going to be so phenomenal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The renaissance that we've been promised.
2: <laughs> yes, yes. But art, to me, art is what is that Ani DeFranco line? Art is why I get up in the morning. Yep. <laughs> Obviously, uh, I'm an Ani fan.
0: I mean, same. <laughs> well, thank you for having this conversation with us. And
2: oh my God, I loved it. Thank I you mean, for having me. I could go all night. But... <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, um, but maybe we'll get to do it again. And whenever yes I would love to, I, I mean, whenever we're all in the same city and we're allowed to, it would be so <laughs> lovely to just sit around a table and have a dinner party and just Please. talk astrology. And where can all of our gazers find you?
2: Um, my Instagram or my website. So at Danny Weinstein or daniellebeinstein.com.
0: Okay. Amazing. Um, thank you. Yeah, thank awesome. you so much. Yeah, seriously, thank you so so
1: much. Yeah, for taking totally. The time.
0: What a dream. I mean, she is so smart and so well spoken. Yeah. I could have talked with her for like twenty hours. I know, same. And I think it's great to hear other really well educated astrologers talk about how they interpret the energies because astrology is a language, and so it's mm-hmm. so nice to hear how other people are using it. Totally
1: well now shall we pull our tarot card of the
0: week let's do it so just take a moment and tune in to the cards by listening in for the sound of them being shuffled and just knowing that the card pulled and the message that comes through will be perfect for you no matter the future place or time to which you listen to this and if you have a question or there's something you're wondering about, or you're feeling like you just need a little extra love from spirit, it's okay to send that out right now, too. The Wheel of Fortune. So there's a couple of places we could go with the Wheel of Fortune. The first place I always kind of like to go is Jupiter because that's the planet that's connected to this card. And, you know, Jupiter is about expansion and abundance. And Jupiter brings us good fortune. And it can also do that by means of change. And so the wheel, it's a wheel because it keeps turning. So for all of us, there is change happening. There are greater forces that are reinventing our life. And the best thing we can do is to be flexible and to move with the wheel. When you look at the Wheel of Fortune... Um, One of the lessons in the card is that because the wheel is not fixed, whatever's on top ends up getting crushed at the bottom. So if you stay at a fixed point on the wheel, eventually you will get crushed. This is the idea that like, you know, the king at the top of the wheel eventually gets deposed. So you want to be flexible. You want to spin with the wheel or you want to find your way to the center of the wheel because the thing that doesn't move is that central hub. So in all the change, in all the chaos, in all the exploration of who you are, and letting go of who you've been, you might seek out that still place where you can be in the eye of the storm and you can experience the change without necessarily being of the change. I know everyone's always saying, like, be the change you want to see in the world, and that's beautiful, but sometimes when there's chaos, when there's a storm swirling around you, when everything's changing, the best thing you can do is just find a really firm center and stay rooted there. And I would just encourage everybody to remember that the wheel keeps turning and that nothing is permanent and that has both blessings and challenges so if you're going through a rough time just know that that's going to end and if you're going through a really gorgeous time appreciate it because that's going to end too but just on like a mundane tarot level i would just say like the wheel of fortune also just presents us with opportunity so you really just want to be aware for what opportunities are presenting themselves to you because if you're listening to this podcast and you're supposed to hear the wheel of fortune message it means that there is an expansive opportunity somewhere in your life wanting you to embrace it and acknowledge it and it may scare you a little bit you know the wheel of fortune can sometimes be like more than we think we can handle or coming in from you know the periphery but it's there to expand you and to grow you and to help you step into your fortune
1: Yay. I love that. Thank you. Yeah,
0: you're so welcome. What a nice card to be gazing at.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, all of you are lovely to gaze at and gaze with. So thank you for joining us for another episode. Um, You can always find out more about us at thespiritualgaze.com, or you can find us at thespiritualgaze on Instagram, spiritualgaze on Facebook, uh, and spiritualgaze on Twitter. And um, we have tons of offerings there, so you can always uh, check in with us, as well as find out how to work with us one-on-one if you like.
0: And until next time, this has been your transit through the spiritual gate.